All right. Hey, we want to thank the uh, speakers that spoke to us and ministered to us. Why don't you guys give them a nice hand? All right. You know, this conference has been pretty incredible for me as a pastor. For so many years, as Pastor Chuck not only taught us the Word of God, but to watch you come and to see God transform your lives as you listen to God's Word. And I'm praying that when you go back, that the Lord will continue to use your life even in a greater way, a greater way. Not only that he has anointed you and baptized you with the Holy Spirit, but for the future, the future of the church, the future of Calvary Chapel, so they can continue God's, you know, Chuck's vision, the doctrine, the philosophy, and then the love that we should have for one another. That's what maintains the ministry, the love of Christ. And I know that a lot of you have been touched by the Lord. And we will, we will miss you. I hope you miss us. But you're going back to those places of battle. Battle. And uh, times of battle are very hard. Very hard. And, um, and I think we, for, within each one of our lives, you know, we've been through a lot, you know, in your own personal lives. I don't know how long you've been in ministry. But when you get into the ministry, you volunteer. And when you volunteer, you obey orders. Before I went to Vietnam, I wasn't drafted. I joined because I wanted to fight for my country. And there was something that I've learned, and that was discipline. I learned to die for my friends. And sometimes, I was sharing the other day, sometimes we as Christians... You know, we used to take our dead and our wounded. And a lot of times, as churches, we kicked our wounded, and we could care less about our dead. And God has not only sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, but to continue so that we can follow that, pa that pattern of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. And that's what I've experienced in this conference by the speakers I have been really tremendously spoken to by the Lord. I hope you too. And as I was praying this week for my message, I was asking the Lord, Lord, you know, it's very hard, you know, to get the message that you want unless you speak. And God spoke to me through every one of these guys. And when I came last night to my home to prepare and to finish my message, he gave me the book of Haggai. Haggai or Haggai, however you want to called the title. If you want to go there, the book of Haggai. I'll give you a little background on Haggai because I think it's important. The children of Israel were in Babylon. They had been taken captive. The temple had been destroyed. And the Lord decided to take 50,000 of them to go back to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls. But there was something that, as I was reading something that spoke to my heart, it was a remnant, a remnant of people. It wasn't all Israel, a remnant of people. I've learned in my own personal life that God works with a remnant. I've learned that with our own board. 
that God chose those that I could trust, those that love me, that I could love, and they would take care of my life if anything happened to me. And that's what we need in the body of Christ. And I guess God was trying those 50,000 that went back to see if they would obey and do what God said to do. We're leaving today here. You've received the word of God. And now you have a task to fulfill the word of God, what is given to you. Too much is given, much more is required, according to scripture. And so the 50,000 come back to rebuild the temple, to restore the nation, to lay a foundation that had been destroyed. Surely we need a foundation in our lives. And that foundation is Christ. He's the one that convicted me. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that's cured me for 50 years. crying. <laughs> the, um, my wife, my wife has been carried by the Lord for, um, for stage cancer for 13 years. <clears throat> and many more in our church. Many more than you know in your own lives. And the life is not easy. But you know, through those things we learn. We learn how to be warriors, how to stand up for righteousness, how to defeat the enemy that comes against us. And when I came to Christ, I learned a lot about the spiritual, the actual spiritual warfare. Totally, you can't see your enemy. So you really have to be prayed up, Read up, and you have to make a stand to put on the whole armor of God. In Vietnam, we had to flag gears. And flag gears was supposed to, you know, grace up the, the actual, if you got shot at, it would grace up, and you wouldn't be killed. But the enemy just wouldn't go to the actual flag gear, he would go for the heart, for the head, to blow your head off. And Satan is quite an enemy, quite an enemy, because I see so many that I love in the churches that have been defeated, gifted by God, used by God, and somehow the enemy got a hold of their lives and destroyed them. Haggai was an amazing person. We don't have much on Haggai. But as he was given this message to preach, which Zechariah falls into because Zechariah was given the same message. And the appeal is to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33. I think that when you put God first, and when I came to know Christ, I put Christ first. It never changed my life. It never changed 
because I miss it. Will you tell me? And you kind of wonder, seeking first the kingdom of God, and I gave, when I gave my life to him, he took me to Calvary Chapel. I met Chuck, prayed for me, Romaine, prayed for me and my wife. Never ever thought that I would be part of Calvary Chapel. Not the name, but the person that was chosen for Calvary Chapel. Pastor Chuck Smith and his assistant Romaine. That is God took me to Calvary Chapel to get rooted and grounded in God's word. I couldn't read. I don't have a good vocabulary. But God's grace. And I got it's really touched my life. Because the people that he chose, 50,000, these were men, they would have to learn some big lessons, like I have learned some lessons. You know, when you're young, you do a lot of stupid things. A lot of stupid things. And then you find out that those things that you did were not right before God. And as you get older, you begin to look at your life a long ways, but if you look this way, it's very short. Very short. You've got to be with the Lord sooner or later. And Haggai, when he spoke, he spoke to them because he loved them. He loved them. He cared for them. And when he starts Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, he starts out by giving you the date, 583 B.C., the returning. And when they return, verse 2, when they return, God begins to speak to them. He says, says the, the, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, these people, personal relationship, these people, we are his people. If we are his people, how are we doing in our kingdom of God? How are we doing in the kingdom of God? How are you doing with your relationship with Christ? Are you in trouble? Messing with sin. Has God really spoke to you here at this conference? To have a change of heart, a change of mind. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit that when you leave here... People are going to know that when you came here, you left here differently because God touched your life. He touched you. And he will continue to touch your life. The Lord here in verse 2, he's not only given a proper expression that was going on, the time is not yet, the time that the Lord's house should be built. They were saying that because they had another agenda. They don't realize God brought them back to, you know, to Jerusalem to build God's home. And yet they came and they got distracted with self. They got distracted with self. Because they were saying, 
The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. First, God, not your home. In the New Testament, Paul says that we are the temple of the living God. God doesn't live in buildings. We are his building. We are the temple of the living God. And if any man defile the temple of God, God himself shall destroy him. Why? Because God loves holiness. Holiness. Be you holy, for I am holy. And that's men. Uh, that's been my goal. And it will continue to be my goal. I don't want for some cheap stuff to be, to be in a place where I'm disqualified and then to be sorry. Somebody asked me one day, he says, you know, how do you know you're disqualified? I said, okay, well, let me get an illustration. You know, you're looking for a book. You go to the library, and you go to the library, she says, you know, it's over here. So you go over, you go up to the, looking for all these books. You go back, you say, I don't find it. I can't see it. No, it's there. It's in the computer. Look, let me go show you. So she takes you, and she looks through all the books, and all of a sudden she sees this book on top of the way. She gets a little ladder, she goes, all this dirt falls down. It hasn't been used. You don't want that to happen to you to be put on the shelf. It happens. It happens. And to me, it's so hurting. When people that are talented, gifted, are put on the shelf, a stupid thing. A thing that's going to be over soon and then what's going to happen to you knowing that God disqualified you or really you disqualify yourself. God has so much for you. Just like these people. God has so much for them. 50,000 were released to go back and to worship God. Seek first the kingdom of God and to go there and not get caught up with self. Caught up with, you know, getting the money to rebuild the temple and spending on themselves building these beautiful panel houses. But the house of the Lord was a mess. How can you build a house and looking at the house of the Lord and have no power in the house of the Lord? The house of the Lord, a place of worship where you go and worship the Lord. And yet Israel had been an idolatry. They didn't worship the Lord. And that's why Babylon came along, and God used Babylon as God will use people today, nations today, which I believe has already happened in America. Then who knows what's going to happen in the next five years, next 10 years. Where will the church be? Where will you be next year with your spiritual life? Will you be sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Will God really speak to you in the way he speaks to you? Because he loves you. He loves you so much. So much. 
that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The only way up is repentance. The way down, no repentance. You have to understand that as God loves you, that you have to believe his word. So you need to pray. You need to read. You need to do what God says in your life. Because he goes on to declare here, the time has not come till the Lord's house should be built. And then he says, then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet saying, so already God is getting ready, the prophet, to go to the people and say, you guys, what you're doing is not right. Get your priorities in order and God will bless you. God will bless you. God always blesses. We disqualify ourselves, not God. We disqualify our lives. But when you're qualified by the Lord and he calls you, he anoints you, he uses your life, man, what can you say but blessed be the Lord? Lord God, the one that called me, the one that anointed me, and the one that's blessed me, that one day I'll see him soon, be in the presence of the Lord. And never, never, ever be sorry for serving the Lord. Never regret it. Ever regret it. I regret a lot of things, but I don't regret serving the Lord. For what he's done in my life, and my wife, my kids. And these guys that I've known for 50 years, that have been great friends to me, brothers in the Lord, their wives. But without them, I don't think I would be here today because of their prayers. Because they really love you. They love me. You need to love one another. Get to know each other. You might be in another state. You can call each other. You can pray for each other. So they are continuing to build the house of the Lord. We don't want to hear so-and-so fell and somebody not took over the house of the Lord and they're really not the ones to be in the house of the Lord. You're there because God chose you. God chose Haggai to go and talk to the people of God. 50,000 had returned. 50,000 would have done a great damage against the enemy. I mean, you read about the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's never, never been to Jerusalem. He's serving the king, serving the king by tasting the food, drinking the cups to see if it's not poison. And one day God speaks to him. And what does he do? He begins to pray. To pray. He's praying to God, God, send me to your city. I've never been there. He prays for four months, not telling anybody anything, and then God answers his prayer. When the king, in chapter 2, is all historical. He sits there, and the king not only gives him permission, but he actually gives him all his finances and everything for him to go. You know what he does when he gets there? He gets a little mule. He goes around to see Jerusalem to see the damage of Jerusalem. He came to restore the walls. 
came to restore the kingdom of God. Nobody told him to. The Lord called him. And God might be calling you today, like Nehemiah, to whatever he wants to do in your life, rebuilding walls, whatever it is. You need to have an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. We are the church. Every one of us here, we're the church. And great Haggai, is God calling him to go to his people? He didn't hate his people. He loved his people. But God sent him as a rod of discipline. Somebody that was not afraid to say, you know, brother, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. You know, this is why God's not blessing your church. God's not blessing you because you're in this sin. You're doing this. You should not be doing in past conferences, you know, we've had guys that we talked to here, and all of a sudden you find out that he's been in an adultery relationship. Left his wife, left his children. The wife commits adultery, left her husband, left her children. Go back to drugs, go back to alcohol. I mean, there, there are people today that call themselves pastors. Pastors, they're on the internet, and they're boasting about drinking. Well, when I go to weddings, I share with everybody else. You know, when Pastor Chuck died, a lot of people held up to do what they originally wanted to do until Chuck died, and then they did it. They didn't keep the philosophy. They didn't keep the holiness. If you do one thing one time, you'll do it another time. In front of people, we're so righteous, we're so, you know, so nice. You know, so loving, so kind. But what do you do in secret? In secret. What were these people doing knowing that God sent Haggai the prophet and then they would go home and what do they would do? They go to work, they take their money and they drill a hole on the, on the floor. They put their money in the floor and they would say, hey, you know what? I got my, I got my independence. I've got my money. Nobody can take it away from me. Let me give you something. In verse 3 he gets, Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses and for this temple to lie in ruins? Excuse me. To lie in ruins. You know, you look at the house of the Lord, here he's not only telling them, about the house of the Lord lying in ruins. But how I thank God for his ministry, for his ministry that is given to me. When I look at this place that God has given to me, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> but the, you know, what God has given to me when we moved here, you know, we have nothing here. We moved here and it was, they wanted like $22 million for this place and you know, I made a step of faith. I said, I'll give you $16 million, which I didn't have. <laughs> and I signed. And so Chuck and uh, Dale, myself, Greg Laurie, came over here. We're looking at this building, you know. And, you know, when he told me, we only had two and a half acres in West Covina. So when Rich from In-N-Out, we became good friends, he told me about this place. You know, we came over here. We looked at it and go, Chuck, there's no possible way. We used to know that property there, too. That was commercial. And so when I looked at that, I said, Lord, how are we going to do this? So Chuck called me and says, I'm going to loan you $2.5 million. 
we got that we sold for 1.4 the other you know the other property and we took it down and Chuck gave us two years to pay it back with interest eight percent we paid it back in one year and we had no money people came in here and gave us money never asking never asking our interest payment was $140,000 a month. We didn't have it. But every month, we pay it. There were months that we had no salaries. We trusted the Lord. We were not and look how we could make a little living. And I was used to having money. I'm in the martial arts. I made a lot of money. And God took it all away from me. You're going to see in a moment. All away from me to the point that people came to my house and left groceries on my doorstep. My wife was pregnant with Ryan. At that time, it was $800 to, to get a little baby and to receive a baby to the hospital, and to have it was $800. We had $400. We went inside, we prayed to the Lord. We had to get my mail the other day, and there was an envelope with $400 cash. How do they know? God spoke. As he spoke here, that we paid off, a week ago we paid off the whole debt. And it's just incredible to see the Lord. The property is worth $40 million. And whoever thought down the street, Bowen Park High School, that I would be here and God would call me to the ministry, just like he called you guys, you ladies. He called you because he loved you, and he's going to take care of your needs if you really trust him. Haggai trusted him. These people didn't trust him. They trusted in themselves. And they're going to get themselves in trouble with God. Verse 4, he says, In time for you yourself to dwell in your panel houses in the temple of God to lie in ruins. Then he says this, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Stand back. Literally, he says, Set your heart on your ways. Look at your life. Examine your life. Stand back. When you leave here today, stand back and look at your ways. Consider your ways. What are your ways going to be when you leave here? How are you going to live? Have you learned something? Are you willing to continue to learn the word of God? And to me, when I read that the first time, I was blown away because he doesn't say it once. He's going to say it again. He goes to verse 6, he says, notice a so, here a social examination and distress. You have sown much, but bring in little. You see? When you don't have God first in your life, things are going to happen in your life. Because God wants to get your attention. you got to pay attention. He goes on to declare, you eat, but you're not enough. You don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. You know, and he who earns wages, earns wages and puts it into a bag with holes. With holes. God was taking it from them. But wait a minute, I work 40 hours, and so you mean I have this left? 
And God says, wake up. Get right. And I will bless you. But I understand what you're doing is not right. Building your beautiful homes. Buying this, buying that, doing this and that. And God says, no, I don't buy that. I don't stand for that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And it's not just money. I like the devotion time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God has brought me to a place where I read and I wait on the Lord to speak to me so that I can speak to the people as a pastor. What can I say to people if God hasn't spoken to me? I want to make sure when I get up here, God spoke to me, dealt with me first so that God can deal with his people. And then we can be blessed. Haggai is such an incredible prophet. The way he brings out the scriptures, verse 7, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, again, second time, Consider your ways. Examine your life. Stand back. What is wrong in your life? When you leave here today, stand back. When you go home and say, Okay, Lord, what have I learned? What have you convicted me in my life that I get to get rid of? So that he can use your life tremendously, tremendously that you will blow people away the way God will use your life. And never, ever take credit for it. Ever. Always he gets the credit. Always. Who are you? Who are I? Nobody's. By the grace of God, God is using us. By the grace of God, God took me to Calvary Chapel. By the grace of God, God allowed me to meet these guys. They became my brothers and sisters. By the grace of God, you are here today, this whole week. Because God loves you so much. He wanted you to speak to you. He wanted you to learn that when you leave here, you'll be totally different. And people will know it. You don't have to say one word. People will know it. The power of the Holy Spirit. The one that has baptized us. The one that convicts me. It says, don't do that because these are the consequences you'll have to pay. And because I have a will, I make the decision, yes or no. And surely I want to make God's decision to be holy as he is holy. I want to consider my ways. Verse 8, he says, go up to the mountains and bring wood, build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and glorify it. And be glorified, saith the Lord. So he sent him to go up to the mountain, cut the limber, bring it back, and let's build the house of the Lord. And then what's he say? Saith the Lord, then I will be glorified. Verse 9. You look for much, so here they're looking for much, but indeed it came to what? Little. Little. Man, what's this? I've worked for 40 hours and I'm getting just this little? I go buy this and I don't have enough to buy this? Imagine our spiritual life. Our spiritual life should be great, big. Not your fleshly life. Paul said, reckon the old man to be dead. Kill it. Don't make king, don't make sin your king over your life. 
Don't let it rule in your life. Because if it rules your life, then you're going to do what the world does. And John said, in love not the world, nor the things of the world. These guys got caught up with the things of the world. And the Lord said, nope. I'm going to chase you. Because I love you and because I want my house built. So that we can worship. Verse 10. Therefore, the heavens above, you withhold the dew, and earth withholds its fruit. I wrote a couple of things about priority. Number one, you are, you are spending, what, are you spending time with God? Are you waiting upon the Lord? Are you doing the will of God? Is he speaking to you? Surely I want to hear from him. And here in verse 10, you know, he's saying, therefore, because of this, the heavens above, are, you, withhold, you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. You see, you, you're the problem, not God. He says, you made these things happen because of what you're doing, and you haven't repented. You haven't repented. Verse 11, for I call for a drought on the land, the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on whatever ground brings forth, on man and livestock, on, on, on pallion and the labor of, of your hands, and all the labor of your hands. And then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, underline that, the remnant of the people, that somehow God is speaking to them, and God is saying, 50,000, you are, I brought you back to put my house in order. Build me a place of worship so they can come and worship me. Come and worship me. And it's so awesome to see when God gives you a place and he is in that place and you worship him. Never, never become a Hollywood star. Never live above the people. But just be what God called you to be. Don't spend money on expensive clothes, expensive shoes, expensive cars. All these things, if we seek first the kingdom of God, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because God loves you. And people will look at you and say, well, are you sure he's a pastor? To me, he looks like a superstar. Listen, when I was on the world, I was there. And when I came to Christ, I don't want to be a superstar. I want to be Christ-like. Christ-like. So when I give my message, people will listen because they'll know that God has spoken to me and to them. And Haggai was a type of a person. He goes on to say this. Verse 12. And then Zerubbabel shot the elf. And Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people. What did they do? Obeyed the voice of the Lord. They said, their God. Their God. Not somebody else's God. Hey, our God. Our God came, sent his only begotten son to die for you and me so that we can be free. So we can be used. 
so we can have eternal life and one day be with him forever and ever and ever. That's what God wants in this conference too. He wants that in this conference. He says, Obey the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people fear the presence of the Lord. God sent these guys to speak to us this week. God sent them. Why? Because they minister to you, right? They minister to me. You have to minister to other people. You've been in the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. What more do you want? What more do we want but to be in the presence of the Lord? To know him intimately, to do his will, and to know that he truly loves me and that I love him. I love him with all my heart, with all my soul. And when that happens in your life, it's like I spoke. If the church today will repent, if the pastors, the leaders, will repent, and they will hear the heartbeat of Jesus, it will be his message and not your message. In verse 14, or verse 13, he says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Isn't that? I am with you. He's with you. He's with me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when we leave here, in your problem situations, and if you haven't repented of something, please repent. Please repent. So that God can use your life. Verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, and the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant, the spirit of the remnant of the Lord. And they came on the house of the Lord of hosts. They came to do what? To work in the house of the Lord. Man, how I love working in the house of the Lord. The only place you're safe. The only place we are safe. And the more I know him, the more he's going to get to know me. And I get to know him. I want to worship him in spirit and truth. And I want to get the message out to as many people as I can. I don't want them to go to hell.
We love you guys. We love you ladies. We pray for you, and we will continue to pray for you. That it's not about Calvary Chapel. It's about Jesus. And God has raised up a board that doesn't want anything from anybody. And we want to see you walk with Christ. We want you to follow the philosophy of the Word of God. We want you not to be gimmicks or mimics of anybody else but Jesus. Don't hang out with people that bring problems to your life. And they actually, they lie to you about things that are not true. You go to the Lord and God will speak to you. As he's spoken to you in this conference, with the messages, that those messages in my life that I heard will burn in my heart. It will burn in my heart. To know him more intimately and to love more people. To love more people. Father, I pray in your name, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would be with us, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we're going to partake of communion, Lord, Lord, that we would recognize and remember that when you came, you met with your disciples to give them communion, Lord. And Lord, one of them was a betrayer, a traitor, Lord. And Lord, we heard a message about Judas. And I think, Lord, that as we come together and as we read in the scriptures about communion, communion becoming one with one another and recognizing that if you're for us, who can be against us, Lord? Who can ever be against us, Jesus? When you are our Savior and our Lord and King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me read from the book of Corinthians. I'm going to give my glasses. I can't see. He starts off by saying here. He says, not therefore. And you know, when I was reading this, I was asking the Lord, Lord, is this really what you want us to do in our lives? And that's knowing and recognizing when Jesus broke the bread and gave the cup. That it was something that was not symbolic. It was something that they needed to do because Jesus was going to the cross. Going to the cross to die for the sins of the world. And look what God has done in our lives as we're going to receive communion. The bread, the cup, and as we partake of that cup and partake of that bread, for me, the first time I took that, it just blew me away. That as I partake and I stand back and remember what he did, I want to be touched by that. By that. And if you're sick, whatever, when you partake of communion, ask God to touch your life. To touch you fully, completely, so that God can do a tremendous work in your life. And Father, I do pray, Lord, that 
the Holy Spirit would come upon us, Jesus. Lord, that as these guys are going to pass out communion, Lord, Lord, that you would bless us. Bless us, Jesus. So, Lord, that we can not only understand how much you love us, but how much more we need to give ourselves to you, Lord. Lord, that as we partake of this bread and cup, that it would not just be another time of communion, but that it would be a real time of communion, Lord. Let's worship, and as they pass out communion, we'll partake communion together. <clears throat>